Welcome back, everyone, to a brand new episode of Screenplay Rewind. I'm Jeff. I'm Ron. And our franchise coverage continues with, I believe, our first coverage of an anime. Is that correct? Yes. I was about to say first coverage of a series, but we did WandaVision, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, here's a question. Uh-huh. Are Studio Ghibli movies technically anime? I don't know if I would consider them a traditional anime. I think they're considered anime. Hmm. You're right. They're definitely, like not, a... they're definitely not traditional, but I believe they are considered yeah. anime. I, maybe it's just like when I think anime, my brain goes to like Dragon Ball and Attack on Titan, not Ghibli, you know? <laughs> right. Kind of a gray area, I guess. But what are we covering this week, Ron? Pacific Rim, The Black. Ba, ba, ba. Did, you, did you take the black? I believe it's required to watch this, right? Yes, of course. <laughs> Netflix prompts you before you can start it. Like. <laughs> it just brings up the image of the tree and you have to kneel before your TV. Yeah. Which, oh, here's a question. Didn't you say you had gotten rid of Netflix? Did you have to sign back up for Netflix just to watch Pacific Rim the Black? <laughs> I got rid of Netflix. And then Christina told me there's something she wants to watch that's coming out on netflix only so we needed to get it back so then i got it back and then she was like why'd you get it back and i was like because <laughs> you said you needed it and she's like yeah in like a month and a half so i used it to watch this and i'm using it just, to watch demon slayer <laughs> just uh be like me just have so many streaming services you forget which ones you own <laughs> <laughs> like i uh i i apparently own the cbs one which apparently became oh paramount the, plus the paramount one i got an email about it and i was like wait i had cbs all access <laughs> or as colbert used I, to say cbs all access i i had fucking signed up for it and watched the uh the new twilight zone oh is that on the, there yeah, uh, the the new Twilight Zone was a, oh, I guess now it's a Paramount exclusive. So I watched the first two seasons of the Twilight Zone and just forgotten to cancel it. So I was like, oh, okay. So I, I guess got- I'll just go ahead and keep it because, you know, they have like the new Avatar cartoons coming out. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll watch it then. Yeah, I, uh, I got rid of AT&T TV. So I got Paramount Plus to fill in the gap between Paw Patrol and Colbert. Oh, nice. Yeah. Whichever thing has Paw Patrol will always be. Supreme, by, at, uh, yeah, at the Ron household. It's PJ yeah, Mass now, but yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's delve in. So this is uh, Pacific Rim: The Black. It is a seven episode first season so far, and has been confirmed for a second season. I saw um, that. This, this was original, and it actually could be coming out fairly quickly because um, this first season was originally supposed to air last year, and for whatever reason, got pushed back a little bit. So now it's sounding like uh, from chatter i've been reading online that they expect the second season to be dropping probably as soon as this fall so okay gonna be back on pretty soon uh so what were your initial impressions on watching uh pacific rim the black uh this is finishing up our pacific rim coverage uh since the yeah you know only have the first two movies thus far and this looks to be the way that this franchise is continuing at least for the time being uh and always we're as always we're gonna go into full spoilers right from the get-go Yes, there's kaiju. Bum 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 No, uh, so here's the thing. It got better as it went. It didn't get good though. 
But it did get better as it went. It got watchable the more it went along. Uh, I think my biggest takeaway was the same issue I have with Independence Day Resurgence. If it hadn't been called Pacific Rim, I might have been all in on it. I don't know. Because to me, it's not Pacific Rim. To me, it's anything but Pacific Rim. Really? Yeah. See, so my my first impressions going into this was I immediately think every anime tie-in to something that is not traditionally an anime like this is. And, you know, it's happened in other instances in the past, too, where they've kind of just, like, tacked on an anime version of it. Uh, sometimes for, you know, like, for decent... Like, did you ever watch the Animatrix? That was actually, like, a pretty good... I never did watch that one, no. It, it was, uh... It was the... Kind of a collage of... I think it was, like, six or seven different anime short films that took place within the world of the Matrix. And it was actually kind of cool because they had, seemingly like, some famous... Uh, anime, you know, companies... And, you know, like, kind of, uh... Hopping in and taking over certain little stories of it, which is pretty cool. A lot of the time, though, like, anime tie-ins are just complete cash grabs and they're garbage. Uh-huh. I actually ended up um, liking this a lot more than I expected to. Oof. Uh, <laughs> I, I actually found this i like it if you had me rank them i actually like this better than uprising now oh boy i uh as i was watching this uh i i was just kind of like half paying attention at the beginning and maybe it was just like you know different level of expectations because i was expecting this to just be kind of like a cash grab and me not really care but i actually ended up kind of liking this uh, a lot more than i thought i I didn't really expect it to be all that great from the start and initially it was even worse than i thought it would be but by the end, I kind of got semi-invested until we saw the Kaiju sisters at the end. And I was like, what the fuck? Come on. But. Uh, what, so what made it? Because to me, it, it never got bad. Uh, what, what was it at the onset that made you not like it at the beginning? So the stuff that I have written down. This all applies to applies to most of the show um some of the more harsher stuff applies to like the first like three episodes but one thing that i really really hate is this style of animation i find it painful to look at and on top of it like you and i talked at length in both pacific rim episodes about their use of color and their color palette and everything in this is just black on gray on a little bit of orange, and it never changes. And it, it's all kind of, it's not even like bright coloring. It's just all muted. And I don't know, to me, that's egregious in an animation project. It should be popping yeah. at you. It should be jumping out off the screen at you. And everything is so heavily shadowed. I just... It, I did not find it appealing to even look at. So I uh, traditionally am not like the biggest fan of this animation style, by the way. Uh, so did this animation style also bother you in the Godzilla anime movies? Because this is the same company, Polygon Pictures, making the, the current. The Knights of Sidonia. Uh, Knights of Sidonia. Um, yeah. I hate it in Voltron. I hate it in Godzilla. I oh, hate you've been hated in, in Voltron? I, I actually kind of like the... In every, their use of color like was Voltron better. Style. But everything else about this animation I don't like. Their characters looked better. 
Um, but the and Voltron, the characters look better, and everything else I've ever seen in this animation style, it's like the white balance is blown out or something. Everyone is just so white; they're almost glowing. And Voltron, everybody actually had a little bit of like skin tone to them. I think you're you're a lot more harsh about animation styles than I am. Uh, I, I know you also had a lot of problems with like the end of the spider verse animation where I had the exact same reaction to that as I did to like this. And with like the Godzilla anime movies of like, initially I'm kind of off put by it. And then after about five minutes, my brain just turns off to it. And I just no longer notice that it's a weird animation style. I just kind of forget about it, I guess. It always jumps out at me with the people like the environments and the mechs and the monsters. It's not as bad. But it, the people never look right to me. They never look like they fit. They always look like they're a different animation style altogether because they're they're trying to look like the hand-drawn style when they're not. And it just, things look weird when you bring the people in. But another thing that is also a trend with this animation style that I have always considered lazy, and as much as I love Voltron, they did it too, as well as Knights of Sidonia and as well as Godzilla. Nothing takes battle damage, Jeff. Like, in this, they do the thing where, like, they're getting the shit kicked out of them, and, like, inside the compod, there's, like, sparks flying everywhere, and it's real intense, and outside, the paint's not even scratched. Yeah. And that I mean... always pulls me out of it, too. All Everything ever done in this animation style, it never nothing ever takes any freaking, like, kind of battle damage at all. There were episodes of Voltron where the lions were down and out and not usable because of how badly damaged they were, and they always looked pristine. Um, see, I, I, I get what you're saying. I would still prefer this over shitty straight up CG because, like, have you ever seen the early seasons of the Clone Wars? Like, have you seen like? Just I've that. I've never seen the Clone Wars. Unbelievable. Like, like, I would rather have this 2D, 3D hybrid than just really bad 3D. So originally, they were considering just straight up 2D animation for this. That's uh, what it should they, have been, they, I think. They eventually made the decision uh, because of what they wanted to do with some of their... Uh, let's see. Uh, they they specifically wanted to, end, uh, to use this blend because they wanted to have a 2D style aesthetic but they, they wanted to uh, be able to have better control over certain aspects of the series, such as how the camera would move in a highly detailed 2D environment. Um, so they eventually kind of settled on using this company, uh, Polygon Pictures, which is, you know, obviously uh, a favorite of Netflix because, you know, like when those Godzilla animated movies pop up, like they pimp out the shit out of those animated yeah, Godzilla do. movies. And they also marketed uh, for an anime, um, Knights of Sidonia also was kind of, uh, all over their, you know, their home screen more than you would expect a, a non incredibly famous IP of an anime, uh, you know, to be. Did Knights of Sidonia ever do another season? Because it ended on a I actually have it end of season two. I actually, I, I actually have not seen it. Uh, I uh. just knew that it was the same uh, company. I, I did watch uh, the first two Godzilla movies of theirs. I need to go back and watch the third one just to finish it out. Uh, I know because I. I thought they were, uh, at least the first two, I thought were, um, uh, they were okay. Uh, okay, so let me ask you this. What did you think of the voice acting? 
Um, I think some of them are are better than others. Uh, like uh, let, okay, let's just let's just real quickly like uh finish out like the <laughs> actual like uh cast and everything. Okay. Let me get it pulled up right here. Okay, Fair so your main. Your main creators are Greg Johnson and Craig Kyle. Uh, so there was apparently a, a big slew of pitches that had gone through Legendary, and this was the one that they had selected to move forward with Netflix, as because it's like a, it's like a partnership. Because uh, Legendary actually owns Pacific Rim, you know, Netflix hasn't like acquired the rights. It seems to just be kind of like a distribution deal where they've partnered up with them to release it. Um, so your main two characters are Haley and Taylor. Uh, they're a brother and sister who've been separated from their parents who are both, uh, Jaeger co-pilots. Um, and they're specifically in Australia, which ap- appears to be to me like very intentional because this is very like almost Mad Max. Uh, it's, it's very, it's, it's, it's taking Pacific Rim, like a lot more post-apocalyptic than it has been before. Like, you know, even with like the idea of the black, you know, they're in kind yeah. of like a dead zone of communication, being knocked out completely um my uh my very first note for episode four up and running is it opens on the fury road may is basically yes. furiosa like standing on top of the vehicle and they're just like all out in that desert blasting yeah. across it but yeah i noticed uh, i noticed that uh that detail too it's very in it's it's almost mad maxish in in part yeah uh, so I, I think uh, the voice acting, it, it it wasn't particularly good, but I didn't find it particularly bad either. Um, I, I liked um, the performances specifically from um, May and Shane were the two characters I ended up liking, not the, the leads. Yeah, uh, Haley got better as she went, uh, I think. I never thought Taylor was any good. Uh, May ended up being my favorite as far as voice acting goes. Um, and she's also one of my favorite characters, period. She's my thing. favorite character by far. Yeah. She's like the one character that I've kind of... She's, the, she's the one that I got invested in. She has a... Uh, and I'll go into it with one of my notes later, but um, she I think she has a cool backstory. Yes. A lot. A lot uh, my, my biggest criticism probably is just how bored I am of the trope of like the kids trying to find their parents. Yeah. That that I, I'm I'm can we just not do that anymore <laughs> cuz it's just it's so overdone and I kind of get it. Like uh you know they're they're trying to present them in like a heightened state of insecurity during like a post-apocalypse, you know, it's kind of like these two kind of idiotic teenagers that don't really know what they're doing, you know. But again, uh, I just think it's, it's it's an overused trope. Yeah, I I do like the idea though. This is our first husband wife team that we'd seen, right? Their parents. Yeah, and then were the Russians in the first Pacific Rim? Were they siblings? I don't think they ever really specified much about them. They were just kind of there. Because if they're not siblings, this is our first brother sister team. Because everyone else was brothers. The, tri- yeah. the triplets from Crimson Typhoon and then uh, Raleigh and, uh, oh, fuck, I already forgot his brother's name. Yeah. But uh, Raleigh and his brother. But mm-hmm. uh, this is our first brother-sister team, and that was, our parents were our first husband and wife team, which I thought that was a cool dynamic. Yeah. Um, 
Another issue that I had, Jeff, is the first thing that leaps out at me above and beyond everything else when I think Pacific Rim is the music. And I just, the music in this was boring. Like I, it, to, to me, it didn't, it didn't land at all in any of the moments that was supposed to be like epic or anything. Yeah, I agree. It felt uh, real also, flat. Why is, why is this and why is Uprising not using the fucking theme song, dude? <laughs> it's like one of my favorite theme songs the past yeah. 15 fucking years of movies. And this thing has had an anime spinoff and a fucking sequel. Neither of which use the fucking song. And even in Uprising, it's there for like two seconds. Yeah. And it's like a changed version of it. it's like, bruh, do I need to just like back a fucking dump truck of money to Del Toro just to get him back? Like, please come back and please uh-huh. use the theme. Because like <laughs> Del Toro fucking this. got it. Del Toro yeah. fucking got how awesome that theme was because it's all over that fucking movie, dude. And it's not and overused it. at the same time. Yeah, I never get bored of it. Yeah. I fucking love Every time it gets on, I'm like, fuck yeah, dude, I'm pumped. But the, the fucking spinoffs and sequels just disregard it entirely. It's so weird to me. So my list of bad things is almost over, I promise. The other thing is because of the animation style and because everything is pristine no matter how much damage anything seems to be taking. It made the action sequences very bland and boring to me. Uh, see, I actually like some of the, I, I think some of the action is actually pretty cool. I think some of it's kind of, uh, but I think some of um, one I noted them catching the rocket and then inserting the rocket back into the Kaiju's like throat before it exploded in the first episode, their parents, uh, you know, their parents are badasses They're Yeah. They're, they were pretty bad. And, and I think that will change as it goes on because for the first, like, 90% of this season they're in a training Jaeger that doesn't have weapons and they're in, and it would also be kind of ridiculous for them to be doing cool shit when they've been you know Jaeger pilots like it, the 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 son had been at like a, the cadet program for a very short period of time and the fucking daughter has been in a Jaeger period for like five minutes yeah so I think it's I, I don't have an issue with them not having super crazy action because I think that will get better as it goes along. Well, that's um, that's not necessarily my problem with it either. It's just they're supposed to be getting the shit kicked out of them in almost every episode. And not only is the Jaeger like still pristine and everything, but it's like nothing is happening during the fights. It's like just banging two toys together. Like their their animation means that they're even barely moving as well in the fights. Like it just doesn't it just doesn't look right. It looks like you're supposed to be using your imagination with some of it to me. I think I they know. have some pretty... Uh, so the the opening sequence that you end up finding out is is Herc. I think it's probably where he does like the uppercut and like stabs the kaiju through the, 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 yeah. the bottom of the mouth up to the top of its head. It's like they have like little moments that are that are pretty cool. And I think, I think the second season is going to be kind of like the make or break for this. Because I, I do think they could potentially ratchet up some of these concepts and everything they have going um so you you'd said you had uh specific notes for each episode mine are just kind of yeah i took mine by episode because i ended up marathoning it and usually everything just kind of blends together i don't i don't plan to go through it episode by episode if you don't want to no i just wanted to make sure uh because i watched it in like i think it was like one sitting or two sittings last weekend and my notes are my notes are just kind of I watched the first episode. I watched the first episode last week and was like, "Oh!" And then it took me until last night to muscle up the courage to just choke it all down at once. 
See, I ended up liking this so much. I more hated it so much. I wanted it to hurry up and be over so bad in episode I, I, one. I think, I, I think the animation style just kind of rubbed you the wrong way, and you started just like actively no, finding it, shit to hate about it. No, the fact that they called it Pacific Rim is what rubs me the wrong way, because they went for something completely different. It's different in tone. It's different in plot. Like the tone is so much darker. All of the humor or schlockiness is like removed but yeah, then true. they're trying to ram her cancer down my face let's talk about stacker pentecost don't remind me of the better things if you're trying to do something new like i didn't understand that why are you reminding me i could be watching the movies right now when i'm watching this you're going for something different let it be different they showed us the three kaiju that merged together from Uprising, and they talked about a lot of the characters from Uprising and a few of the uh, of the Jaegers. They talk about some of the Jaegers from one. They mentioned Raleigh's name specifically, and I'm just like, no, no, no. Why are you reminding me in like episode five that I've wasted all of this time watching this instead of the movies? Uh, well, I, I don't think I, I don't think they actually ram it down your throat. It didn't appear like that to me at all. The only reason you hear Stacker, Herc, and Raleigh is specifically because they have the idea of he needs to solo drift momentarily with like I, I see. I actually really like the concept of the the scientist talking about how you can use the the drift memories of an established pilot, you know, and they specifically use the three that they tell you, you know, and like we knew Stacker and raleigh yeah. had solo drifted we didn't know i actually thought it was really cool how we were seeing herc fight at the beginning without realizing it was herc and he was actually having to solo drift you know like before he had to call in the black i i actually thought it was kind of cool how like the the show actually kind of homaged herc specifically who didn't end up you know getting to do very much in um the first movie so i, I actually really liked the the herc stuff and the um the uh the other concept i actually thought was super cool was where so uh, they have they have this character that uh, in the plot line that is the most Mad Max to me is when they come across Shane. So Shane is kind of like this arms dealer type guy who's kind of trying to like reign supreme in the wastelands of Australia. You know, by by selling kaiju eggs, uh, he you know eventually obviously tries to get a hold of their Jaeger because Jaegers are incredibly rare and, uh, you know, like super precious, uh, whether you want to use them, you know, like for combat, because they're basically in the fucking post-apocalyptic so far they going said after it's... guzzling and shit. Yeah. So far they said that it's the only one in the black. Yeah. Uh, and then they eventually find their, their parents Jaeger, but it's all kinds of fucked up. Uh, so I don't really think theirs is operational anymore, really. But the I, the concept I really liked was where he uses the drift to actually interrogate him because you can't shut off your memories. So he puts him in this kind of like uh, fugue state, checks his memories by forcing a drift with them, and then is able to figure out by the force drift that he has a Jaeger and like his whole backstory. And he's walking through like the... I, I always like the way that they use the drift for... Uh, for really really like organic plot devices uh so I, I actually really liked the interrogation idea one thing that i made a note of every time it happened is this uh this series seems to be taking the idea of the drift and making it a lot darker in general um 
like you start out kind of light with May, like just not wanting to do it just because personal space and being forced to do it and everything that gives away about her all the way up to she was brainwashed with it. And then uh, he was interrogated with it. And then uh, the one dude that drifted over and over and over with every one of the the fucking soldiers, like his entire left face side, left side of his face went limp, like he'd had yeah. a stroke. Like everything, everything, every encounter we have with the drift in this and the neural bridge, it seems a lot like darker and seems to be showing a lot more of the downsides of it more than anywhere. Yeah. Whereas in the first two movies, it was. Like, incredible. It had no downside. Well, I, I think they were always kind of hinting at it because... But they never went it, there with it. Yeah, because if it wasn't that important, they wouldn't have so many alerts going on um, when they have, you know, incompatible drifts happening. You know, like when yeah. Mako and, like, Raleigh are, you know, like, first drifting and they, they're not compatible fully yet. And then they just have, like, all of these fucking alarms going off in the little like hangar thing where they're overseeing you know gypsy danger so i I actually thought it was kind of cool that they you know elaborated on it and i I understand that um it it conflicts with like the tone but i didn't really go into this specifically expecting more like i I think honestly i like the show a lot more than you just because of how little i expected of it going in personally and just being pleasantly surprised that they had some kind of, like, cool continuations of the concepts. Uh, what ended up being, like, a couple of really cool characters to me in, in May and, and Shane. Uh, like, I, I love... Dude, May is awesome. That fucking scene when they have, like, that what appears to be a cliche moment where she walks up to the main uh, the main uh, son character as he's about to, like, shoot the the guard... And she's like, no, 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 you don't, you don't need to do this. And me, on the other hand, <laughs> yeah, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do this. Me, on the other hand, was the one that I wrote down. Yeah, she's a complete. I like her character a lot. I, I, I like her performance a lot. I think it was a good uh, casting this because she just every time she talks, she just has like this like weight to her, the way she speaks. Yes. that really shows how much baggage she has. She's really the only one that doesn't sound like she's sitting down for a table reading, in my opinion. Like she. There's some gravity to everything that she says and does in this. Um, yeah. The the other one that I wrote down, by the way, is uh, let's say is back in episode two, right after. Uh, uh, no, I'm sorry, is episode uh, five, right after they escape Bogan, when uh, Joel was like, "Oh look, it turns out I can juggle now." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then that's when he answered the walkie-talkie and his head exploded, dude. <laughs> were you, they have it set up like he's gonna be a main character yeah and they, they just fucking off him with a goddamn walkie-talkie bomb and i think i actually like like my jaw dropped i was like god damn they they aren't fucking around dude <laughs> like yeah i was like what the fuck as that, soon as i that, saw it i think that was probably one of the first moments that like i actually got kind of like sold on the show because i was like okay okay i got my <laughs> you had my curiosity but now you have my attention when you have fucking walkie-talkie bombs killing what ostensibly was a major character we like they... part of his backstory we spent a lot yeah. of time with him that's how it's fucking done walking dead and yeah your fucking beth death I like how we we have like a drinking game now, and I think uh, the the Beth death that has been referenced. I think like the last like 
couple of episodes at least. So that's that is approaching Dark Souls. What are other uh, space balls quotes? What are other drinking games? Uh, I'm sure there's more. Oh, when you're right, you're right, and you you're <laughs> always right. Uh, let's let's see. Um, one of the the other things um that that I had uh, noted, they actually have a pretty cool nod to what i found out by doing a little bit of like uh accidental research when i was just pulling up uh, some of the other mechs that they because they, they come across a mech graveyard and they find uh, november ajax okay so november ajax is the first one is, in uprising is uh, this is actually a callback to a deleted scene from uprising Okay. Uh, so there was a there's a scene cut from uprising that i found on the pacific rim uh wiki when i was looking around uh, so in the in the deleted scene from Uprising, November Ajax was actually destroyed by the drone hybrids. So you see November Ajax in this like um, this graveyard. You know, like, they, they call it like the Uprising War. Um, and this was actually like a pretty cool callback to where November Ajax was actually uh, destroyed. I, like I, I don't really know why they would delete that. You know, because it, was, it actually would have made uh, like a callback happen to the opening sequence. You know, if you actually had yeah. November Ajax again, because November Ajax is supposed to be this like badass mech right they always talk it up piloted november ajax yeah they talk it up multiple (laughs) times and if i'm remembering right that's the last time you see it in that movie right like they they just kind of forget that it exists he's basically a joke at the beginning of the uh the movie yeah it's really weird because you know that's one of my favorite parts of the movie is actually the november ajax stuff because like when they first ball up and roll away he's like really and then after he takes them out, he taps on the compod. He's like, all right, come on. Yeah. Yeah, I love all the November Ajax stuff in the in the movie. So I was surprised that they mentioned him because he just fucking vanishes. I, I know. So, like, why did that scene get deleted? It's, it's I, I don't get that. Yeah. I, did, I found that really odd. Yeah, I don't know. It was, that's, that's a weird one. Uh, what did you think of the fucking Neon Genesis Evangelion Final Angel? I think Boy was just his name. Oh, yeah. Uh, so they find this little... Oh, okay. Legitimate complaint. Aaron Yeager. <laughs> why is it... In the show that, with Yeagers. Why Why is it that the... What are their fucking names? Haley and Taylor? Yeah. Why are they not concerned at all that the kid can ostensibly fucking live in perpetuity while in water? Uh-huh. He has He has no breathing mask or anything. Uh-huh. So, like, clearly the kid's a fucking alien of some sort, or he'd be fucking dead. What's the problem, And Jeff? they never acknowledge it. And I'm like, bro, how do you not know something's up with this kid who's fucking Aquamanning in the tube and isn't dying? And eating <laughs> like, scorpions what? and rattlesnakes and butterflies and, yeah. And all you, so, like, the entire time, the viewer knows that something's up with the kid well uh, for, first of all uh if you find a white-haired kid in an anime in a tube yeah with he's like an alien or fucking, yeah or a demon or fucking something but like yeah. all they literally had to do to uh, remove this plot hole was just to have a fucking breathing mask in the tube and then i, I you know and then it's just like the goddamn what are they fucking called in star wars you know like their their healing yeah. tubes you know the, 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 the back uh, to tank yeah 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 just you know like Maybe not have them just chill in the fucking tube and, you know, not die. They talk about how that kid's fucking been in that tube for, like, quite some time. They're just like, huh, that's weird. Well, shit, He's man. There's, 
there's 10 years between the first and second movie in the timeline. Mm. So when did this kid show up? Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, it uh I was trying to to look for when it happened. I think it happens what around episode 5 when he gets shot in the head and just gets up from it and is completely unscathed and they're like, "Huh, Oh well, and then they do to do to do and move on. And they see they see like uh him go like fucking flying, so they know he got shot to some extent. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's like and you're like your cue that he got shot in the head was his head whips back and just like loose hair flies away. Yeah. So like you know he got shot in the head. Yeah. The, the fucking Yeah. The the two kids are fucking dumb. <laughs> like they're really dumb. Um, I need to do, I meant to do some research and I just realized now that I had this in my mental to-do list. Always write down your to-do list, kids. There, what is it with anime and the red and black mech? That has been a thing forever. Um, in... I think they just like it because it looks cool. In the armor... It does look cool. Well, it's always a specific thing, though. Because in the Armored Core series... That same concept is Hustler One, and his mech's name is the Nine Ball, and like the Nine Billiard Ball is his logo on the on the on the uh, shoulder, and he's in every single. He's the patches of the thing. He's in every single okay um, thing, and it's believed in the lore in every single game that Hustler One is basically like either an AI or like a consciousness that merged with the the AC. Mm-hmm. And then in like Knights of Sidonia, you have the Crimson Hawk Moth. That is the same thing. It's um, part robot, part organic. And then you have Apex in this, which that's subtle. He's the red and black, I guess a berserker form of the berserker drones. But he's also like the apex predator in the area, a la Godzilla. And then a la every kaiju monster movie there is a child that he befriends i was like wow none of this is subtle there's a lot of signaling going on with fucking apex mm-hmm. here yeah uh, i i did like his design i actually thought he looked, i mean I, I understand like where you're well, coming from I, it, it's a cliche design but it, just in a nutshell i actually like i thought he looked pretty cool it, it's cliche but i what is the like the the background or like the folklore on that because that is the thing that is in Every anime that ever animated an anime. Yeah. Uh, yeah I'm not sure. It's always the red and black one. That has to be significant for things to leap from anime to anime like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, the me- specific I meant to origin. try to research it before we came into this. Um, but yeah, when. Uh, were you surprised at all when boy Aaron Yeagard? Oh, no. Like, they. <laughs> well, they. Well, they so that's the thing is I just wish that they had done more writing to make the the main kid uh like the two main kids just less stupid because like y- like you see him first you know, like with the thing in the fucking tank and you know you're like oh shit something's up with this kid and then he has a little drawing where they show him you know like drawing himself as tall as a skyscraper it's like well he's a fucking kaiju and it's just like why don't the kids question because like I I know like the entire fucking time and I hate being. 20 steps ahead of and i understand maybe they were just trying to show like how naive these two kids are because they basically raised themselves you know from the age of what like 12 and 8 to uh, something like that 
yeah, they're very young and uh I don't know if they were just trying it just it, it didn't come across to me like it was characterization like you know like they were trying to present them as naive. It looked to me just like not paying attention to glaring plot holes. There's a lot of convenient plot stuff in this show to begin with in my opinion cuz like they're smart around everything except anything concerning boy like everything else is kind of everything else they they work out and they get through and mm-hmm. they figure out and then anything to do with boy they're just like oh yeah that's boy he he tries to eat rattlesnakes and butterflies he's fine don't worry about him he's, yeah he's he's fine and like i don't know I don't know what they were going with with Taylor specifically. Like my specific note for the generalities section of my notes is just simply Taylor is a complete dick. Cause for the first like four episodes, he's just a ass to everyone. And then he starts leveling out near the end. And then the way that they've characterized Haley, did you find it strange that like, I mean, yeah, she's smart, but People have to catch her all the time because she's constantly tripping or the slightest little thing she tries to pick up is always heavy and she can't do it. Or there's all these weird things like, well, she's the girl. Of course she can't lift this. She's the girl. Of course she's a klutz. Like there was a lot of, I I didn't, there was a lot of weird characterization with her throughout the whole thing that I was just kind of like, well, this seems outdated. I I ended up liking her uh, by the end of it. Uh, like there's still f- like far less like uh, L- L- May for instance and uh, and then once you start learning more about like Shane those are the two characters that I, I right. and I actually really liked the scientist guy before he got walkie talkie to death Joel or whatever <laughs> yeah I thought he was a pretty cool character they just fucking axed just unceremoniously like Jesus now but uh, I I still could take or leave. Taylor, I kind of like Haley, and I'm watching the show for May. I like Haley. I'm... Now, I did really like the scene where they're drinking hot chocolate and they have like the the, the dancing, the, scene. the dancing, because yeah. that actually like because that is a thing teenagers would stop to do, especially ones that are just like you just need to fuck you know like you haven't had hot chocolate or fucking anything good to eat or drink you know in fucking ten years you know you're gonna you're gonna stop and actually celebrate that you know especially if you're a kid or if you're a teen and i i actually i really like that scene and you know just kind of like um seeing them uh try to connect with may uh, even though she's just been kind of a a bitch to them but they get why you know she has a very fucked up backstory well they've been in her head so yeah not only does they don't not the knowledge of her backstory is not the only thing that comes with that remember like they have felt everything that she has felt through her entire life Every emotion, every feeling. I mean, there's that moment in Uprising when uh, John Boyega and El Royale girl, um, she gets she chases the white rabbit, remember, and relives her parents getting killed, her whole family getting killed. Yeah. And when they stop, John Boyega has tears streaming down his face, mm-hmm. and she says something like, I was there, like meaning like I was back there again. And he's like, yeah, I know. I felt it <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, so anything that she has ever felt in her entire life, they merged with that as well. So the, this group of characters more than any other in any other anime you'll probably watch. 
all understand each other much better than most any of the characters would, right? Yeah. Which which is again really good use. Like this franchise gets so much out of the drift that I love. I love that they continue to use it effectively because it's yes. such like an it's such a good plot element that gives you such like a good shorthand to instantly have you know backstories that can be organically shown in the midst of the sh- the the show or movie. You have instant bonds of characters that don't feel cheap, you know, because like a lot of action movies. When the fucking main, you know, like lead ends up finding like a chick, and you know, like by the end of it, you know they're they're an item. You're just like they've known each other for like fucking ten minutes. It's kind of horseshit, right? But when you're watching like Pacific Rim one, and you know you see, you know, like Mako and and Raleigh by the end, you one thousand percent buy it, you know, because they've been in each other's heads and they they had a connection, you know, like uh, going in. So it's it's just such a great plot element that i'm i'm so happy that they're intelligently continuing uh, and i actually liked a lot of the ways it was used specifically in this show um but i i can understand like why the the darker tone was kind of off-putting for you but i i, I ended up see, uh, if, liking it if it hadn't been called pacific rim it wouldn't be because the name pacific rim sells me on something it tells me something about the show and it's not necessarily that it's darker that put me off. It's just, it's completely different other than it includes mechs and kaijus in the same terminology I already know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like I said, that's the thing. Like Independence Day Resurgence isn't a bad movie, but it's not Independence Day. It did the same thing that I'm talking about here. Whereas if you just called it something else, it, I would I would still hate the animation. I would, you know, still not be that impressed with the voice acting. But a lot of this stuff would bother me just a lot less because I'm not expecting Pacific Rim going into Pacific Rim the Black. Yeah, uh, it, def- it definitely is problematic and it's not a perfect show. I-, I ended up finding more personally to like from this than l- like. See, I, I just like, knew like that I... you were going to be in my camp. So my notes are written out really mean. <laughs> no, 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 we it's, no it's, 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 it's fine. Uh, like but... I said, um, after revisiting Uprising and then thinking about it, and like while I still like Uprising, I, I, I actually like this better, even though I barely consider uh, this part of the franchise. Uh, I mean, it's it's totally, and maybe it's just because I can kind of. Do, I, I think a lot of my opinions would have been a lot different if I had like any idea what this was going in and maybe uh had been because this was just like so many uh just weird left like the thing with like the walkie-talkie bomb and like the the drift um interrogation well, walkie-talkie bomb i'm all in on that is yeah th- that showed me something i have never seen before or considered i've seen walkie-talkies used to set off bombs i have never seen the walkie-talkie be the bomb <laughs> And then just like... Uh, and it makes sense because you're going to hold it up to your face. I mean, that's what exa- you do. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it just it just shows how much like a fucking motherfucker uh, Shane is. Because he specifically has him uh, reach out and say something to May just so she'd be watching it as it happened. Like, fuck, man. That's, that's brutal. Haley calls that out, too. Like, he made sure she was watching. Yeah. And then the way that it's framed is very effective. And it was just one of those sequences where it's just like, it caught me off guard to such a degree. And it was such a fucking good 
uh i know i know it's not like technically a twist but it's just like this crazy fucking thing that just threw me up guard so much that i was okay okay pacific from the black i i i almost like this um it's it's so weird because i i can't disagree with you at all i it's just the things that did work for me worked a lot uh a, a lot and i ended up oh so let's like i think you had alluded to it earlier uh so did you have an issue with the religious fanatics at the end is that what they are? I just I just have them in my notes as kaiju sisters. Okay, okay. So here's the thing. I love this idea as a specifically a callback to Pacific Rim One. Because if you remember in Pacific Rim One, you remember when Charlie Day is walking around. I think it was Tokyo, wherever it was, with um, or maybe it was Hong. Where, where the fuck he's uh, meeting Ron Perlman at Hannibal Chow? Oh, Hong Kong. Okay. Yeah. When they're walking around and they walk past. What is uh I think uh Ron Perlman does like a little bit of exposition on it. It's it's like a it's like a, a temple of people who worship the arrival of the kaiju. Yes. And you see, and they see some them of as them like the fucking uprising. Yes. Yeah. And as soon as that happened, you know me, the the Lovecraft uh, Lovecraft, that's <laughs> one of the drinking games. There you go. There you go. Uh, now you tell me there's a fucking crazy religious cult that worships the kaiju as like the great ones. I'm all fucking about it, dude. <laughs> so uh that's what that's what the sisters are okay is they're 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 i don't know if they're the same cult but they are a lovecraftian style cult that worships the kaiju as like uh because that's what they see basically boy is uh, uh, see i uh, thought they were the same as boy no if you if you go back and watch it they have like a quick little line towards the end my sister the, ka- the kaiju messiah has come yeah, they basically view him as kind of like the the chosen the like elder that, god. That's the line that made me think they were like him. Well, they 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 very well could be because they they don't say the Messiah has come. They specifically say the Kaiju Messiah has come. So I thought they were alluding to the fact that they themselves were also Kaiju. That and the fact that they're like controlling Kaiju was really it only made sense if they were Kaiju themselves to me. Uh, it, to me, it comes across as they're they're part of like a fanatical cult uh, mm-hmm. with their matching masks. Are, are they tied with, in with the witch lady they alluded to in what was it, episode three? Bogan. I know it's called Bogan. Yeah, know. yeah, they're, they're they're the same. Yeah, they're just the three. same group that that um that Shane was about to be potentially trading with, or he was like a yeah because they have a, they have a conversation about it between one of his arms deals like with the other guy that he uh is trying to sell like the eggs to. I think yeah mm-hmm. they, they they reference it. So, uh, I, I think with the second season, if they end up having like a, a cool fucking Lovecraftian style fanatical cult about the kaijus, that's, that's super intriguing to me. So this, this was just like a lot of shit that was just like intention, like uh, specifically almost intentionally pushing my buttons in, in, mm-hmm. uh, in a way that I, I actually really liked. So I, I wrote down in my notes that season two has a lot of heavy lifting to do because I wrote down seven separate plot points that are still dangling threads by the end of season one. Okay. Because I was because I just sat down and started listing them all, and I'm sure that there's probably more than this that I forgot because I did it off the top of my head. So uh, one character that I actually really like more than most of the human characters, I actually like the sassy AI inside the Jaeger. <laughs> See, the AI annoys me. Really? I thought the AI well, had some light really... have AI in the other ones. Why is this... So... Because it's a training Jaeger. So... Uh, and? So, here's the thing. When I was talking about 
the separate plot conveniences that happen throughout the show, them happening to find like the one single Jaeger we've ever seen that can snap parts on and off like an action figure and has an AI in it is like the one that they find and it happens to be the only one and like in all of Australia left. And this this could also be further explained if they end up talking about how uh their parents didn't accidentally because it, it it stands to reason their parents would specifically drop them off there in the hopes that should they ever not return maybe they would eventually accidentally stumble upon the the Jaeger. I think that was but they wouldn't tell them about it because they don't want the fucking 12 and 8 year old kid going and fucking around with the Jaeger. So if they if they potentially didn't come back like they don't, you know, what you end up finding out, you know, like five years later, you know, they haven't returned. But it gives them an opportunity because like why else? their parents would probably know that it's there and their parents specifically dropped them that little like Oasis thing. I don't think it's an accident. I, I think it's specifically their parents putting them there for that reason. It seems like time would have been better spent than letting them know about it. As if it's a no, training you, no, 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 no. You would never tell the 12 year old kid and the fucking eight year old girl about the one the Jaeger. that's already trained how to pilot a Jaeger. You would he's tell not. About- he only he has only done the written exam. That they specifically say that in the show, the kid had only but, passed the written exam at the time all the shit goes down. But he's actually a part of PPDC. You think you would tell him about that, the training agency? So he can be training. No, but, mm. but you don't like because like, would you tell your fucking twelve year old son about the Jaeger? I wouldn't because you don't like. I tell him you before want them I to be a little bit, You want them to be a little bit more mature potentially before they start striving off on their fucking, and, and they would also feel more. Um, uh, ready to go off and find their their mom and dad, which they specifically didn't want them to do because they really thought they were going to be coming back. Um, so it's I I think it I think it makes sense from like the parents' angle, and I don't think it was an accident. I but, think that's going to be the retcon. I think that's meant to be an accident. Why else would their parents specifically take the? Because you know the parents would know that the the training acre is there because they were two hotshots in the program. Well, they would definitely they know that it's down they didn't there. Mean to though. Right? Didn't they? I don't remember now, but they either got orders or came under attack while they were like passing by. So they set them no, down. No, they go out of their way to take the kids there. I don't know. It seems really flimsy to me. I, I think uh, they will end up saying that the parents have specifically put them there, but that, that's as. Oh, I'm, I'm sure because the and the thing about a show is you can always go back and change stuff, but. I I don't think this show has that much depth to it. I think it's I think it's meant to be an accident. I I think it has I I think it has I think it has a little bit more than you give it credit for, but it does have problems at the same time. Like they do have some cool ideas and they've had some cool concepts and some cool characters. It's just kind of offset by some, you know, bad plot uh, plot holes and a, uh a little bit of, you know, overuse of certain tropes, but like the slow mo, and how they still kept using it. I, I didn't have as much. See, I have I have more of a, much more of an issue with the slow mo and uprising than I do. Uh, yeah. Uh, I I think this show. I, I I respect the show for at least having some like testicles with some of its decisions. Because in retrospect, like uprising doesn't really do a whole lot with the concepts uprising just kind of like i think they end up doing some cool stuff in it and i still like it a lot and think that it gets way too much shit but i i respect the, the just the fucking 
levels of batshit walkie-talkie exploding heads and just craziness that this show has that I wasn't expecting at all and rubbed you the wrong way and surprised me and made me actually like it more. So, you know, it's just... I mean, the, neither one of us is incorrect. It's just the way that it shows. But I, I'm actually really excited for the second season of this. <laughs> I, I want to see what they do with it. If we're covering it on the show, I'll watch it. Otherwise, I'm not sure I'm watching it, to be honest. I couldn't really I mean, care that's, less. That's fine. I mean, if it didn't work for you, it didn't work for you. And uh, you're you're never going to be fully on board because you'll always hate the animation style. That's yeah. You always have that. That's a like, pretty you're, big you're, turn off. But you're a lot. You're a lot. I, I maybe it's just because of your your background having more of an affinity for animation in general than me. But I can I just forget that I'm witnessing in an animations. I I just eventually stop even realizing it that it's there. Like I'll initially be like like the first like half of the first episode of this is like ah I don't really like this animation style and then eventually I just kind of just accept it. So this is. See, you, different way that I view it. Animation should never be that. Animation should wow you every single time, every single scene. That I, I mean, I'm I'm not at watching Pacific Rim: The Black on Netflix and expecting Studio Ghibli quality animation. I'm I'm not expecting then, to be wow. <laughs> then don't animate it. You know what I'm saying? Like it. I don't know. If you're gonna half-ass it, then don't don't do it. I don't know. I don't think it's half-ass. I, I just think, think it's, it's their pretty style. lazy. Duh, what about Ajin? Because Ajin has a very similar... I hate it. I absolutely... You hate the animation style I of Ajin? I absolutely hate it. Anything that looks like this, I hate it and don't want anything to do with it. And that's another one that you all, like, the, all I, the humans are fucking whited out. Didn't that you like Ajin, though? I, I guess you liked it in spite of I, the... I like the show. I hate looking at it. Okay. And that's why it took me forever to get through it. Because I can only watch it for so long before I'm just tired of it. Yeah, I mean, I I, I ended up really liking that show, and again, oh just dude, forget, that, I, oh god, I I just remembered the fucking the, the hat fuck, guy. Yes, riding the yeah, skyscraper yeah. down. One of the fucking <laughs> best moments in cinema history is that fucking scene, dude. It's so good. Uh, did you have any other tidbits from your notes that you want to touch on before we sign off? Uh. I don't think I think we pretty much covered uh, everything that I had. I brought up the slow motion because I was waiting for you to bring it up. Uh, I I didn't have I didn't have any issues with the slow motion in this. They I, I, they they, s- they stopped doing it at a certain point. I realized later. It seemed like they did it a lot more at the start. It seems like there's a few decisions they made at the start. Another thing uh, that I noticed though, uh, I will also point out another reason why May stands out to us. I think is. The writing just seems better in general around May. Uh, another specific line that I wrote down that it it's not specifically that great of a line, but compared to watching as much Taylor and Haley as we did before May came in, her lines even stand out completely against theirs. Like when Joel was asking for a co-pilot and he was wanting May to co-pilot with him, and she has the line of, I don't need his demons, and he definitely doesn't me- need mine, made me laugh out loud. Um, her, de- her delivery is also Her like, delivery is point to me. so good on that She's line. She's so good. And then the look that she gives him after Shane says no, the look that she gives him is just, and then she just says, asked and answered. <laughs> and it's just like, 
everything to do with her voice acting and her writing, her backstory down even down to her lines is just spot on. I I I thought the scientist was also very well acted and very well written until he got exploded. <laughs> and the uh the other thing with May is uh another trope that actually works in this with May is um how she still cares about Shane. I don't think we mentioned that. After finding out what he's done to her all these years and the way he basically brainwashed her, but like she still has that like lingering feeling of like he's a father figure. Yeah, she uh, can't turn her? that side of herself off. Well, yes. Uh that is another one that's pretty much overused in media and most of the time doesn't really work. Uh it makes all the sense in this show no matter how they did it because of what he did to her and the way he did it to her. <laughs> and also just because of how isolated they've been in uh with the in in like the wasteland style setting, mm-hmm. like he's he's literally the only person she's ever really you know been close to right do um, you and do you think he actually when he called on the walkie-talkie do you think that he was gonna blow it up until he heard joel's voice instead he he was never gonna kill may i think it was always just to, to send a message because that my thought is too because it seems like uh at first like he's just an asshole and he is he very much is but he seems to actually genuinely like may he does yeah well, because they, they they confirm it because once May is in the mech with them, he specifically tells them uh, don't attack. You know, above the legs, yeah. May's in there. Yeah, yeah. And then the walkie-talkie exploded and took the dude's head off, and I was like, the fuck. And when I was thinking about it later, I was like, is the fact that he answered the only reason that happened? If she had answered, would he just be calling to try to convince her to come back? Yeah. It's a it's a, it's a good point. Uh, just every, everything to do with Shane and May, they because I think part of the problem too, uh, with with Taylor and Haley is is just uh, it's a common like trap that everyone falls into when they're trying to write stuff. Is your protagonists are ninety nine point five percent of the time the least interesting character, right? You know, uh, because they they are there to drive the plot or to be an audience stand in and therefore have the least memorable, you know, like how many people say Luke Skywalker is their favorite Star Wars character? Basically nobody, <laughs> you, you know, uh, you know, you love Han Solo, you know, you, you love land, you know, Lando, like you like the, like the side, more, more fucking Obi-Wan. people, more fucking people probably say Boba Fett is their <laughs> favorite character. Then Luke, even though Luke is the main protagonist, and Boba Fett the entire... has like maybe five minutes of screen time altogether. Yeah, yeah. And then he gets <laughs> fucking unceremoniously eaten. Yeah, it's or just, does it's he? Just... Well, I mean, you've seen me. <laughs> dun, dun, but dun. he, uh, I think that's just part of the problem with this. Is it's a, it's a super like I usually call it like blotagonist syndrome. You know, <laughs> it's like the. Yeah, they they the the protagonists kind of suck, in a whole lot of stories, and it's not just Pacific Rim the Black. That's just a, that's just that's something with writing. Like I'll, I'll, like, it's it's so common. I almost and as someone who's like who's tried to write stuff and finding the same thing happening like with to, to my stories all the time of. It's so hard to make the protagonist like the cool character. So every, every time it happens, 
like uh my two favorite animes are bebop and, and trigun just because of how like they miraculously make their protagonists like so cool and interesting anytime that happens my viewpoint of how good the show is escalates immensely just because that is not easy to do and trigun it's not true or it's it's only true before and after wolfwood <laughs> <laughs> once we get wolfwood i was like i'm sorry vashu and then no no i still fuck it now obviously wolfwood's amazing but oh, fucking Vash the stampede dude oh come on i'm not saying he's bad i'm just saying who okay this is gonna be, we're, we're gonna have a fight because i yeah, fucking love me some... the fucking... donuts jeff the donuts <laughs> the donuts i cry God, why... i cry every time why have i not i need to rewatch trigon again yeah you so... do uh, but yeah, I, I think that's going to be a wrap. I am actually pleasantly surprised by this anime, and Ron hates everything about it. <laughs> Pretty much. So, yeah, interesting. You know, you, you know, this makes fun conversation. If everyone had the same opinions, life would be a lot more boring <laughs> than it is. So Yeah, I, see, I, I don't think I specifically said, though, um, I actually like the mom and dad, too. Yeah, like, they were pretty cool. Like I like I May, I like Haley, and I like the mom and dad. But man, fuck Taylor. Yeah, he's kind of a douche. Kind of a douchebag. He starts out an asshole and just becomes kind of a douche. Kind of a douche. How but, brutal you know. was it when they drifted and she saw like exactly how he was feeling at the moment about like her killing everybody? Yeah, it's pretty devastating because he's not. <laughs> it, it, he can't help but feel that, you know. Right. Because, like, you know, if you just think about it, you know, like, it, it's a the concept of having someone have access to your every thought is a terrifying concept. Right. Because you have, you know, people that are completely sane have, you know, like, horrible thoughts all the time. And it's just, a, you know, a, but the thing is, you just don't act on them, but you think it. Yeah. So, like, he, it, it makes total sense he'd be thinking that because he's, you know, it's one of those things where it wasn't her fault, but that thought is going to be gnawing at the back of his mind and you know just like the look and her performance too sells it too where she's just kind of devastated you know because she has to be subjected to that because like they are ostensibly you know like kind of trudging along through the wasteland for quite some time so it's just like just to have that you know beaten at uh you know at the inside of your brain for that long would just be very emotionally devastating so i just realized they never they never really do anything else with that because it's such a brutal thing. Like, he's her brother, and the only thing, literally the only thing she has left. And sure, he would think that at first because the wound is still fresh for him. But at some point, you know, you, you calm down, and you know that it's not, like, her fault, like you said. But they never really revisit it or talk, talk about it or bring they, it up again. They have them grow a little bit closer in the episode uh, that happens right after that when they're on Into foot the going around the city trying to find the battery. Yeah, uh, they, they they have a couple of scenes where they kind of grind the show to a halt just to kind of register moments for Taylor to be more warm and receptive to uh, to his sister. So I think they they probably should have done like a little bit better job of that. But it is a seven episode show why they elected to go with seven episodes a little strange to me because this feels to me like they probably should have at least ran like a 13 episode season but uh especially if it already got delayed if it already got delayed why not just throw more episodes into it i almost wonder what show was it was it ajin no castlevania 
Castlevania has also had a very bizarre. Well, what Castlevania schedule. was doing, they would release the first half of the season as its own season while polishing up and finishing the se- the second half. So season one and two is the first season, basically. Yeah, they were they're doing that. I wonder if that's what they were doing on this one. They maybe wanted to delay it until they could get season two more. Yeah, because what it, and- cause what that ends up doing is that you know how like Lord of the Rings or like Harry Potter comes out like one a year because they just kept they never stopped filming. They just kept filming nonstop. It allows yeah. them to do that in an animation sense. They're just kind of releasing what they have while still working on the other part, and they're they're getting it out sooner rather than i've got seven episodes laying here that people could be watching but we're still polishing up the last four episodes of you know over here they turned out a a lot of voltron in a short amount of time too that is true so so they they are all about like and they cranked out those fucking godzilla movies pretty quick too those Godzilla movies were like fucking ninety minutes long each. It probably they depends on the size of like the, once a year. It probably depends on the size of the team they have on it. I would guess, and maybe that's also part of the reasoning behind them wanting to push towards this Shorter. style because Polygon Pictures, that company, can churn out these three D animated things that are running a 2d aesthetic so much quicker than traditional animation right uh, you know y- y- you and me will always tr- prefer 2d traditional animation every single time it's it's just uh, it's just it's just better in our opinion because that's what we're you know like accustomed to but that's this is kind of funny like eventually we're getting to the point where you know 2d animation you know eventually is probably going to go the way of the dinosaur and that makes me kind of sad because it's just eventually to the point where you'll probably have every now and then someone come forth with like a 2d animated passion project but it will and it's already not really the norm you know you just think about like like what happened with like fucking pixar you know like pixar became such like a big thing it basically changed the way disney worked because disney used to be 2d and then at the same time pixar got famous and you know like them acquiring them probably had something to do with it but you know like all the main you know like frozen moana all that shit it's all cg now you know that it changed the entire studio so but that one doesn't bother me that's, it's also just insanely good animation quality. Yeah, that one doesn't bother me. That style doesn't bother me. Even the TV shows that they crank out around those things, uh, they don't look as good as the movies, but they still look pretty good. Like none of those bother me. I'm curious. I never did. Uh, I just realized I never did watch the Studio Ghibli uh, CG animated one. That, that so many came out in like February. I think it was their very first one to do with CG. Yeah. Uh, I need to, there, there's like fucking 30 Ghibli movies I need to get around to watching. <laughs> it's just so, it's so difficult to just like, I can watch this other one, you know, that I haven't seen, but I, I could also just, you know, watch Mononoke or Spirited Away again, you know, and right. it never gets old. So yeah, it's, it's moving castle. Yeah. So good. Uh, but yeah, I think that's going to be a wrap. Um, let's talk qu- real quickly. Uh, so we are breaking up the franchise schedule for just a bit. We're going to take a, probably a month break in between each franchise we do. You just kind of like a couple of randoms thrown in uh, one for me and then one from Ron to kind of mix it up, you know? So uh, we're going to take our next two episodes and be one selected by me outside of a franchise. And then one selected by Ron outside of, you know, like franchise coverage that our Pacific Rim stuff has been, you know, like sequential off of one thing. But the next movie that we are covering on screenplay rewind drum roll is please. going to be, Shocker, Jeff picked a John Carpenter movie. We're going to be covering In the Mouth of Madness. Okay. Which I am 
stoked to talk about John Car. I, I don't, and I don't believe you've seen it, correct? I have I, not. I think we. It's a Lovecraftian John Carpenter movie starring Sam Neill, and it's. Oh yeah, I was, I was about to ask which one that that was. Okay, so yeah, the Sam Neill one. Got it. Yes. I've heard I've heard about it on various podcasts, but I've never actually seen it. Incredibly it- batshit. And I'm excited to talk about it. I think it'll be a lot of fun to to dive in. Uh, one of my favorite Lovecraftian um, projects ever is In the Mouth of Madness. It's super good. It's uh, now it's it's not a fucking classic. Uh, the way that like the thing is a fucking flawless masterpiece, and I will never hear you know anything to the contrary. It is a little bit more divisive just because it's because of how batshit it is. And I don't think people were kind of expecting it to be what it was mm-hmm. back when it came out. It's kind of like a movie almost like out of time. If in the mouth of madness happened like today, it'd be fucking huge, but it just sadly came out in a time where people were not really as receptive right. to Lovecraftian things. You know, you can go to fucking hot topic now and buy a fucking Cthulhu plush, <laughs> you know, <laughs> different yeah. world we live in different world we live in, but what can you do? But yeah, uh, that's going to be in two weeks time. So you have time to, Check that out and follow along with us if you'd like. I highly recommend it. Even if you don't end up liking it, uh, it is worth watching just to see, like, this fucking bonkers movie, dude. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, so if you would like to follow the show more uh, for updates, you can follow us on Twitter at SPR Filmcast. Uh, Ron, where can people find you on the interwebs? You can find me Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday evenings at 9.30 p.m. U.S. Central Time over on Twitch. I've got a YouTube channel and a Twitter. I am Ronsense TV on all the things. Noise, noise. What is your current project you're running? Uh, about to as far as finish up Dark Souls three on Twitch. Nice, nice. Yeah, go check Ron out on there. Uh, you can follow my personal Twitter at gmillerspr. And I think it's gonna be a wrap. So it's probably the last time you'll ever hear Pacific Grim talked about on the show because Ron <laughs> fucking hated this anime. <laughs> Big. Big fucking Sag, dude. Big fucking Sag. Uh, I, I, I'm going to so end funny. up watching season two, so we might as well cover it. I'm not going to want th- th- to th- do th- it. I thought you said you had like no fucking interest. I to, have uh, no fucking interest, but I'm going to have to. Do you have... Okay, so you don't have interest, but you have morbid curiosity. Is that... I guess. Morbid curiosity. Also a very good name for a podcast. <laughs> it very is. It really is. We should we should get, get on that, even if we don't do anything with it. Yeah. Nobody steal it. It's probably already. <laughs> if you can think of a fucking, there's so many goddamn podcasts out there. It's probably oh, already stolen, but it is a good name. It is a good name. But yeah, what were you gonna say? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't it's have anything. It's in the drift. <laughs> right. You can cut it. I'll I'll, I'll, re- I'll find your thoughts in the drift. Uh, all right. It's fine. Right. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I I say the drift, and I just you know, Brad, I hear the fucking theme song that nothing ever <laughs> will fucking use in this goddamn franchise. I don't understand it. Did they get criticism from people about how much it's used or something? Uh, if anyone did, if anyone did, I'm going to fucking hunt them down like fucking Jay and Silent Bob at the end of the the, the one movie where this go beat the fuck out of all the internet commenters. Because <laughs> anyone who doesn't like that theme can go to hell. I fucking love that. I have that theme on my fucking like workout playlist, dude. Because it's just like, fuck yeah, dude. It's so good. <laughs> Did Del Toro, like, have his name on that? Like, it's not registered to the movie or something? Oh, that's... Because... That's interesting. He... He he left, and so did the fucking music. I, it's so fucking weird. It's uh, the strangest I, I thing. I don't know. Now, now, it makes more sense, maybe, you know, 
and uh for this anime to not use that specific theme kind of you know it could potentially just be like a, a thing with it being ran by netflix you know instead of like a, a legendary production alone but the fucking sequel uprising had complete access to ostensibly everything didn't fucking use it yeah fuckers yeah i don't get it dude maybe one day this this if we ever get another pacific rim thing that uses that theme song again i'm gonna fucking shit my pants dude out of excitement <laughs> that, will, that will immediately be my favorite pacific rim thing outside of the first movie just because he was a fucking theme song dude i will be sure to leave a seat between us i am an easy yeah be, 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 on the, be, on, be on alert if they ever have any more pacific rim stuff <laughs> I was about to say Pacific Rim shit. That would be... <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're going to drop your pants like a sack of kaiju shit. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Where's my goddamn shoe? <laughs> Are you funning me, son? <laughs> Holy jeez, you gone and done it. That's what I'll say when you shit your pants. <laughs> Holy jeez, you gone and done it. Uh, okay, we got to go. We're getting loopy. Oh, yeah. Morbid Curiosity, also a very good name for a podcast. It's it very is. It very is. It very is. It very is. It really is.